you go. How hey. are you guys? Hey, man. How are you? Not bad. How's everything going with you? Good, man. Good. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, man. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. How are you, Bruce? Hey, Tiago. How are you doing? Oh, uh, you know, any better than I'd be you. <laughs> like a good friend uh, say every time. Well, yeah. another day above the ground. Couldn't be, yeah. be better than that, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, baby. Now, yeah. Do, you, do you guys know each other? Have you guys met before? No. No. Oh, so first meeting face-to-face -face for all of us, uh, Tiago yeah. and I yeah. talked on the phone. Yeah. Man, thank you for joining us on this Guitar Wank episode. Awesome to um to have you on the show. We, You know, we had a bunch of people on uh, guests uh, talking about... Um, Alexander Dumble, Howard Alexander Dumble, I guess I should say. And mm. um, you're our last guest <laughs> to talk about Alexander. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's how we, I mean, you you con you contacted me, right? And you told me you had yeah. some stories about Dumble and that, and, it, and actually some of the stories that I've even told, which he told me, which I may have alliterated or exaggerated <laughs> or even changed, or maybe he did before I even got yeah. them. Uh, you you were present at some of this, and you said you had a lot of light to shine on the man and the experiences. Oh. And thank you, first of all, for reaching out and being willing to share with us. Oh, you're welcome. I mean, I was glad to to try to help out also because the work you guys are doing it's a it's a really beautiful thing, you know. Because uh, like you both mentioned on the beginning of the the, the series. Uh, most everybody never had any contact with Alexander, you know, and they did not know him that personally, they really didn't have access to how he really was. Most everybody just know him from uh, online forums and people talking uh, what they heard from other and other and other people, you know, so it's that kind of, it's not exactly the way he was. You know, and and when I heard that you guys were doing that, you know, calling his friends and 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 you, Bruce, you knew him also, you know, and talking like the good side of him, which was pretty much like all he had, a great side, you know. I was really, I, I was really impressed with that, and really happy, you know, that you guys were doing that. So I thought, yeah, if if there's any way I can help out too. I'll be more than glad to do it, you know. Because like, he was a great dude, you know. Tiago, give us some our listeners a, some background of yourself and how this all come about and how you got to know Alexander. Well, I uh, was living in Los Angeles when I got to meet him and I was working at the the Guitar Center in Hollywood for this the Vintage on, Department. On Sunset, Sunset Boulevard, right? That's correct. Right. The, the one on Sunset and and Everybody in the vintage room knew him personally. Everybody that worked there, my two former bosses, uh, Drew Berlin and Dave Belzer, they knew Alexander Alsen. They had a great relationship with him. And so Alexander used to stop by quite often at the store. You know, he liked the room. He liked the crew there. And he liked the way that place sounded. He liked the gear. He was absurdly passionate with... Uh, Every kind of gear, you know, uh, guitars, amps, acoustic guitars, and and he loved 
Fender and Marshall stuff. Vox too, you know. And since we had a good inventory at the time was before the vintage went even like crazier during the, the 2000s, he would go there all the time. You know, he would set up meetings with his friends there, his clients there. And, and that's how I got to meet him. You know, and I remember exactly the moment that I met him because I was very passionate about amplifiers, guitar amps. In my whole life, I, I, it's like it, that's my biggest passion. And, but I never cared much about dumbbells because I never had access to one before. So I didn't know what to expect from them. And when I started working there, uh, some of the people that worked there, like Brian Hall and Dave Isaac, started telling me about his amps and about him. And, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, it's like it's completely different thing from what I've heard out on streets. You know? And they say, oh, yeah, dude, don't pay attention to what people talk about him on streets, you know, because most everybody, they don't, they had never even talked to him before. So, and I believe it was the day that they had a, a release for the Steve Ray Vaughan Fender uh, Vibroverb 60, I, I think it was like a 64 Vibroverb SRV kind of mod by, by, by Cesar Diaz. And on the release party for that amp, when, when, when the party was like, almost like dying down already, I thought, okay, I'm going to start taking some of the vintage guitars and bring it to the vintage department already. So I'm going to expedite things here a little bit. And when I was walking to the vintage department, Dumbo was walking in. And he stopped me and, and he looked and said, oh, cool. Did you just sell those? And I told him, no, no, I'm just bringing those back to the room and I'll be back there in a minute. He said, oh, okay. So I might see you there. And he had never seen me before or anything. And he said, oh, I'll see you there then. He knew by then that I, that I used to work there. Probably someone told him about myself and, and the passion that I have for amps. And so I dropped off the guitars there in the room and went back to the, 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 the releasing party. And sure enough, he was talking to Drew Berlin. And that's when I got close to them. And Drew said, hey, Double, uh, this is Tiago. He's the guy that works here with us. And that's how I got to meet him. Uh, that was like the first contact with him. And even then, like the very, very first contact, he was such a sweet person, you know, such a, a caring person, you know, someone that, if he asks you something, you start telling him, he will listen to it. And amazing, amazing person. And, and I miss him quite a bit. You know, like everybody that, that knew him, I'm pretty sure they do too, you know, but, but yeah, that was, that was how I had the first contact with him. Cool. So you were, you were there with some pretty interesting times, I guess, when Dumble was there, you were saying with, in, in the guitar center there where some other, I guess, pretty well-known guitarists were there, but they didn't know Dumble was there. Is it, tell us about the, some of those stories. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're talking about the, the, the Bonamassa story. So it was a, which was first, the Bonamassa story or the John Mayer story? Uh, I don't remember which one came first, you know, because at the time we would not even, like, pay much attention to that. But... It, it 
probably the John Mayer was first. You know, I could be wrong with that, but probably the, the John Mayer was, was first because uh, John Mayer was introduced to him uh, at the store. You know, they set up a meeting with uh, Dumbo and John Mayer so they could see if John Mayer, uh, I, I, I still don't know if he, he was planning on getting him, uh, Dumbo to build him an amp or if, if he wanted uh, Dumbo to service one amp that he already had bought or if he was planning on buying one amp and bring it to Dumbo so he could service. I, 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 I still don't know exactly why the meeting happened, you know, but it was for Dumbo to work with him somehow. And it ended up not, not happening. They spent the day together. You know, they played guitar together. They went to the office. They hung out. They, they, they went out to eat, you know. And then John Mayer took off and Dumbo took off also. And, and after that, a couple of days later, Dumbo called the store and I was talking to him. So I asked him, hey, are you going to work with John Mayer? Are you going to do something for him? And Dumbo told me, well, not now. Not at the moment. For two reasons. One, I still want to know him better. And, and I'm really busy because Dumbo was always busy. You know, he always was backlogged, always. And, and then he, with that, you know, completely forgot about that. And a couple of uh, months later, he called because he used to call the store all the time. You know, usually like at least once a week, he would call the store asking for something, either for us to search one amp for him or, or to ask info on one particular piece of gear or to send a, a client that he had there so they could buy something from us. And but anyway, this day he called and I was talking to him and we, we did the talk that we had to do. And before we hung up, he said, hey, hey uh, by the way, remember that you asked me about uh, if I was going to do something for John Mayer a few months ago? And I said, yeah, yeah, I remember. But what's going on? Are you going to do something for him? And Dumbo said, nope. He just got one of my amps and brought it to Two Rock. Oh. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, okay. And then he said, yeah. I, I wanted to know him better before kind of like t uh, uh, telling him I was going to, before committing, committing, you know, to do something for him. And I'm glad I didn't commit it before. Because if I would have done anything for him and later on he would have done that to me, I would be too mad, you know. So I'm glad my, my, my he was saying that, that his sixth sense, you know, <laughs> it worked out well. And so, so what? So basically, John Mayer had found a Dumble lamp and took it to. Yeah, I used one. Right. He, he bought a used one, and apparently he brought it to Two Rock, and dropped it off there. I don't know if he was uh, asking them to service the amp, if he was asking them to make a copy. Right. You know? But that was right before Two Rock came out with the John Mayer signature amp. So I would imagine that they kind of like took a peek inside of that, that one that he brought in, 
you know, one of the, the used ones that he bought. Right. The real Dumbles, you know. Yeah, yeah. Damn. So I guess uh, John Mayer was on the shit list after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and with a reason, you know. Cause yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, he was pissed. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. So, and you were there also, I guess, when the John, uh, I mean, sorry, the Joe Bonamassa incident happened. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was a funny one. Cause what happened that, with that one? Well, that one was Alexander was there trying a few Las Paul Juniors, and and the way we used to do, we used to have the the stage set up. Uh, have you been to to that store to the vintage department before? Yeah, remember the that wood stage? We we would always have like two amps centered on stage. Uh, kind of close to the wall that would make easy for people to try out guitars usually we would have like a a, a deluxe reverb a blackface deluxe reverb and a tweed deluxe and that would cover most everything people wanted to try out there and so dumbo's there and we had like three maybe four last ball juniors lined up and he was going for them and i was the one holding the cable and plugging and unplugging the amp. Right. Uh, every time he was done with one, I would unplug the amp, get the cable, and he would switch the guitars. Sometimes I would help him with the guitar too and plug again, and he would try the next one because he was looking for a Les Paul Jr. for one of his clients, right? So with that, we're doing that. We're going back and forth from the guitars. And I don't remember if it was Eric Stolzheimer or Brian Hall that was there and the, at the counter, which was like on my right side, you know, and, and facing Dumble, because Dumble was on my left side, kind of like facing the amps and a little bit the counter. And I was with my back to the door and facing the back wall. And so we, we hear the door open. On my back, and it's Joe Bonamassa, and he walks in. And at the time, he was not even that famous, you know. But he walks in and says hello to everybody, and you know how Joe is. <laughs> he's fun, and 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 don't get me wrong, I love Joe. You know, he's a really cool dude. He brought so many business uh, to us, and and we never had any 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 issue ever with him. And, but he's a loud dude. <laughs> he's a loud guy and he like, and he's really passionate about guitar sales and he likes talking about them. So he got there and he's telling stories about this guitar and this guitar and that other guitar. And he's looking at the guitars on the wall and he's grabbing them and he's noodling. And, and me and Dumble, we were there like just switching last pause and, and Dumbo are trying them out. So I unplugged the amp, unplugged the guitar, had the cable right on, on, on my leg, and, and I'm waiting for Dumbo to grab the other guitar, switch Les Paul Juniors. So Bonamassa grabs the cable, <laughs> plug into a ES5 that was on a stand right by, by him, and push the cable onto the amp and start playing. 
without saying anything. And, and I know Joe, you know, he, he didn't do that. Uh, 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 he didn't have any bad intention with that, you know, right. he was just having fun, you know, and he probably thought we were just having fun too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so he knew the guitar for a little bit and he says, uh, Oh man, that, yeah, this is a good one. And, and he tells a story about his ES5. And I look at Dumbo and Dumbo are looking at us like, what the fuck has just happened here? You know, didn't you see that I'm playing in it? Yeah. And so with that, Joe just stopped playing. He unplugs the amp and unplugs the cord and look around with the cord and like, oh, you want it back? I said, oh, yeah, please. I grabbed the cord and I'm trying to not laugh or no, not not show that I'm kind of like a bit concerned too, you know, between those two there. And, and I'm like, yeah, Joe probably knows him. Right. And, and is trying to make up conversation or something like that. But he ended up that as soon as Joe gives me the chord, he puts the guitar back there on the stand. And I give the chord to Dumbo and Dumbo has that face like, okay, let's get, get back to business. Right. So as soon as he plugs the guitar, Bonomasa tells uh, Eric, who was in the counter. I don't remember if it was Eric or Brian Hall, but one of the two. He just looked at them and said, hey, uh, by the way, have you ever heard of those two rock amps? And as soon as he said that, <laughs> the, the room got silent. <laughs> Silence, <you know? laughs> and, and, and I'm like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> and he tells Eric, yeah, I just got one two rock amp. And man, those things are amazing. Those things are phenomenal. Those aren't those amps. They just they're really, really good. I'm surprised. And by the way, if you guys ever get any Dumbo amps here, uh, please call me. I would like to tr try one and maybe even get them from you. <laughs> and when he said that, I was like, "No, I don't think he knows that this is Dumbo." <laughs> and then he he tells that to Eric, and Eric said, "Oh yeah, no, we got your number here." We'll We'll give you a call. And then Joe just turned around, looked at me and Dumbo again, and said, okay, guys, have fun there. Enjoy enjoy those last Paul, and I'll see you guys soon. And left, kind of almost running. And I'm like, oh, God, I don't, I don't think he knows Dumbo at all. You know? And as soon as the door closes, Dumbo just looked at us and said, what the fuck had just happened now? <laughs> <laughs> And, and I didn't know what to say because I, I thought he, he's probably mad because Bonamassa was talking about the two rock stuff. And, and I just said, well, at least it didn't say that he knows Dumbo and Dumbo is his friend. Because you know? <laughs> he really, I don't think he knew Dumbo, that, that guy was Dumbo at all. Wow. You know? And then Dumbo said, who, who the hell is that guy? And then we told him, oh, that's Joe Bonamassa. He's an artist. He, he, he's a guitar player. And, and he's starting to, to, to get big, you know, and, and he's a good client of, of us. And then Dumbo said, dude, please don't give him my phone number. <laughs> <laughs> and, and sure enough, I don't, I don't think he, he ever done any work for Joe after that, you know. No, he didn't. But he didn't, right? No, he did not. He was still... Yeah 
talking really bad about Joe <laughs> until he left town and moved up to Turlock, you know. Uh. So, uh, yeah, no, there's not a chance. But but Joe did buy one. He did buy a, an, at least one more Dumble amp, you know, uh-huh. uh, on the open market. And he yeah. went and, and he went and had it copied. I know that for a fact. Yeah. The first thing he did is, is had somebody make him a copy of it to take it on the road, you know, so yeah. he didn't take the original. Right. Okay. You know, so it's exactly what Alexander would have hated him to do. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, they, uh, no, Joe's got a, well, when I saw him do a gig uh, rig rundown, he had a bunch of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he probably copied them a lot maybe, or I don't know. Right, well, you know, he probably bought a few more. Yeah. Mm. You know, I'd sell him mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 because Alexander, you know, it's, it's you know, there's, there's no more dumbbell amps and Skinner's mm. not here to be pissed off about it, you know. Yeah, mm. yeah I go, now, do, you obviously kept the, you had a good relationship with Dumble. Did did you end up getting some Dumbles or? Yeah, it, it was, it was, I have like two interesting stories and, and I, I'm going to try to make them as short as possible. The, when I, when I first heard one of his amps, I fell in love with the amp. You know, and I kept always telling him that the amp sounded phenomenal. And every time he would deliver one of the mods that he would do to clients, uh, to some of his clients, that, that he would bring to Guitar Center and drop off the amp there for them, uh, I would listen to them testing the amp. And he would always ask me later on, say, hey, so how would you like that amp? How'd you like this sound? And I never had anything even remotely bad to say about his amps and his mods. And so he kind of liked that, you know, and he knew I was crazy with Marshalls and old tweed fenders. And I love blackface too and Vox amps. And he always kept asking me things about amps. Every time he needed one amp, for one of his clients that he could mod him, he would call me and ask me, hey, can you find me this? I need this amp with this circuit uh, in this condition. Can you see if you can find one for me, please? And, and one day that when he walked to the room, uh, to the vintage room, I was listening to an album by Dora Bramhall, an album that's called Welcome. It's mm-hmm. by Dora Bramhall and the Smokestack. Yeah, and and Dumbo walked in, and almost like halfway through the room, he stopped and and he listened to it and he said, "Oh, that's Doyle's album, right?" And I said, "Yeah, do you know that?" And he said, "Oh, a little bit," and he smiled and said, oh, "A little bit," but do you really like this? And I said, "Yeah, dude, it's one of my. It's lately, it's one of my." favorite albums you know and and i think that that's my favorite strat tone ever you know please don't be mad at me i know you like steve Vaughan and hendrix strat i'm probably the best but and i love him too you know but lately this guy surprised me with his guitar tone it's there's something going on there that's just phenomenal and and then Dumbo asked me, oh, 
do you know what he used for the album? And I said, yeah, I read on interviews that he used a super bass and, and a 64 Strat. And Dumbo said, yeah, the 64 Strat part, is, it's, it's true, you know. He, he's got a super bass, too, you know, but he got it after the album. Uh, and then Dumbo told me that for that album, most of the songs uh, uh, Doyle recorded with his personal Ultraphonics, which was a 67 dual showman that Dumbo built with the Ultraphonics gain and the, the tremor that he called the Fat Boy tremor. And, and he told me that, and I said, huh, so... Okay, you know, so that explains why I like that tone so much. And, and I think he really liked, you know, that I appreciate the, the, the guitar sounds on that album. So for the next few months, he would call, every time he would call and I would answer, or when he would call me at home, he would, first thing he would say would be, what's your favorite Strat tone? And I would tell always the same thing or oh, that album spe specifically this song and that this and that and and then after a while you know it started getting like almost tired because it, it was like about four years later he was still asking the same thing every time he would call and i would answer he would ask me that and one day he called and said i think your studio would benefit from 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 that tone and i at the time i thought he was joking and i said are you kidding me no, i'm 100 my studio would benefit from not one but like 10 of those you know and and then he said no with all seriously seriousness uh would you like to have one of those and at the time i you know those scenes when 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 you see people just like Flipping the the hundred dollar bills <laughs> on a on a chick. Yeah, I, I I I painted myself like in my head, like just doing that, <laughs> and said, "Yeah, I would love that amp." <laughs> and so he asked me to find the duo showman that he thought was the 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 correct one. I think it's AB seven six five or something like that, and. He asked me to find the amp and send it to him. So I found the amp, sent to him. And 10 months later, he delivered the amp, the Ultraphonics. And that's how I got my first Ultra amp from him. Wow. And, and I still have it. And every single session that we done with it in studio, that we plugged that amp in, that amp ended up like being recorded. The one that was on track. Yeah. And so that was, that was, and it's a phenomenal way, phenomenal sounding. Yeah. But is that, is that a, just a head? Yeah. 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 It's a dual showman head from 67. And another detail about that amp was he, when the amp was almost done, he asked me if I wanted to stop by and try the amp. And so he could uh, voice the amp for my playing. Right. You know? And I told him, dude, I'm a horrible guitar player. If you voice it for, my, for me, no one else will be able to play that, you know, because I'm, 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 I'm a bad player. 
Right. But it's for the studio. And I remember him telling me that that ultraphonics that he had was the end that he would loan to people like he did with Doyle. Right. Because it was such a great platform for uh, effects, for clean sound, for edge of breakup sounds. I mean, I mean, you could play almost everything except for like extreme metal through that end. And, and when he asked me if I wanted to uh, voice the amp to my taste, I told him, no, no, I want the amp exactly like yours. You voice it just like yours, like the one you loaned to, to Doyle, the one you loaned to everybody that, that needs something to use in the studio. I want my just like that because yeah. it's going to be used in the studio and I'm not going to be the one playing. My clients are going to be playing that. And, and he asked me that about three times. And he said, no, I think you should uh, try that out. And, and, and at the time, I didn't have a car also, so I could not even drive to his house. You know, so I told him, no, just, just, just make it just like yours. Make it exactly like yours, and I'm going to be the happiest person in the world. And, <laughs> what what and cabinet did, did he run, were you running it through? Did, did, did he tell you to run it through a certain cabinet or speakers? or? Well, he, he, at the time, he said that, especially for this amp, he really liked the way it sounded with Celestial speakers. Right. Uh, 65 watts, like G1265s, he said it, they sounded great. Uh, vintage 30s, it sounded great. Greenbacks. I've, I mean, even the Electro Voice, I, I used to have a 212 cabinet with Electro Voice, and I ran this amp with through it it sounded amazing you know like nowadays i only run it through uh 30 watt greenbacks because that's what i have you know and, and it sounds phenomenal you know so pretty much like everything i tried it with they said oh i did one session for a country guitar player in brazil uh where he is um a tally an echoplex plug for this amp in a 412 cabinet with uh, Onico Golds. Mm -hmm. And that was like, literally, we plugged in and the guy played probably like 10 seconds and said, don't touch anything. That's the sound I always wanted in my life. And, and he tracked just like that. You know, we yeah. didn't even got, got to tweak the amp knobs. You know, the way he plugged in and I just br brought the volume up a little bit. And that's the way he is for the two songs he recorded with me. We didn't even touch anything else. Wow. So, and wow. that's my all-time favorite amp ever. You know? and, and then after that, he, did, he, he also did a La Tostada, which is the, the basement combo that he would work on it. And 59 basement. And that one, it's phenomenal. Also completely different. But he has that, that, those Dumbo kind of like nuances that, that you don't hear in anything else. Right. Wow. You know, like the, the top end is, I used to joke with him because when he, he, he asked me the first time, how, how do you hear my amps? You know, I don't know if he was testing me or, or, or see if I, if I knew what I was talking about or not. But then I told him, well, the only way I can describe it's like it's the low end that it's on the verge of 
collapsing, you know, because all the amps that I played that I've heard that he, he built, including mine once, all three that he did for me, the low end is humongous. I, I mean, the basement, I have the, the low end running on zero all the time. Never use, not even on one, always on zero. Uh, the dual showman, it's the, the, the low end control, like the bass, never goes past three. And the, the, the other one, the bandmaster, the low never goes past two. Mm. And but they never, but they and they so big, but they never collapse. Also, you know, it's almost like you play a low string on the guitar, and you and you and you hear that amount of low wind filling up the room, and you're like, yeah, it's gonna collapse, it's gonna fart out, but it never does. You know, and and the top end, I used to tell him that. The way I hear his, his, his amps, it's like if you, if you tap with your fingernail on a crystal glass. You know, that's how I, I hear the top end on his amps. Because it's, it's so much, it's so, they're bright amps. They're really bright sounding amps. You know, so at the first note that you play, you hear that top end and you're like, oh boy, that's going to hurt. But then you play his amp for like hour and a half, and you're like, "Huh, it didn't hurt at all." Mm. You know that that top end, and but yeah, that that's that's pretty much the ones he did for me. Oh, the 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 third one he did was interesting because he offered me a bandmaster. He called me one day and said, "Hey, do you have any blackface bandmasters?" And I said, no, I, I don't have any. I like them, but I don't have any. And he said, well, I'm going to sell a few of the ones that I have, my, my personal ones. And I think you should get one because they're not going to be expensive. They're not going to be modded, but I'm going to service them. And they're going to be the best talk sounding bandmaster you're going to ever hear. And I said, yeah, Don, I want one. <laughs> and so at the same time I go back home and start selling pedals and guitars, you know, <laughs> to afford that. And but he kept calling me and saying, Hey, do you mind if I try this thing, try a different thing here with your bandmaster? Because I was servicing it and I came up with this idea and I think it's really cool. Is that okay if I do that? And I kept telling him, Yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> well, and then sometimes I would even joke with him. I, I, I would ask him, well, do you know what you're doing? You know, at least. <laughs> and he would say like, something like, a little bit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, but he kept like tweaking and tweaking and tweaking the amp. And about, about eight months after the initial sale, he called me and said, hey, I got two news for you. Uh, your amp's ready. That's the good news. Uh, the bad news is I cannot sell it to you like a, a, a just a regular band mess. You know, I'll have, I'll have to charge you a little bit more if you want the amp. If you don't, I got two more band masters that I'm going to service. I can service one of those and sell it to you just like a regular band master. Or 
since this one that I, I, I worked on was for you, I'm going to give you the first right of refusal on it, but I'm going to have to charge a little bit more money for it because I think I just came up with a new platform because mm. it turned out so good and I tweaked the amp so much that I think it's worth making those for people, you know, putting those out so people can, can uh, enjoy them. And I said, yeah, dude, sure. Tell me how much more and I'll come up with the money. And, and yeah, that works for me. And he said, yeah, man, it's, it's, it sounds, sounds really good. And especially your amp in particular, because he asked me, oh, do you want your amp more voiced kind of like a Marshall on the Marshall side or on the Fender side? And I told him, well, whatever you think it's best for the studio, I'm fine with it. And he said, yeah, I'm going to voice yours more towards a Marshall. And, I'll, and I'm going to give you like all the components. So if you want to change it to a more Fender-ish, but still with my mod on it, you just replace those parts here. And I said, yeah, sure, no problem. And so he gave me the amp. I tried the amp. I freaking loved the way it sounded. You know, it, I, I really, really, really liked it. And I called him back and I said, dude, that thing is freaking awesome. And it's a and I told him, this is a very, very kind of like rock amp. You know, it's uh, the way he voiced that one for me. It was almost like a 50-watt Marshall. And, and when I said, yeah, it's a very rock-oriented amp. And he started laughing. He said, well, that kind of makes me happy because I think I came up with a name for it. Uh, what do you think of rock phonics? <laughs> and that was the first rock phonics that he built. And wow. after that, he started making them for people to. He said that he was going to probably implement one thing or another, but that was the very first plat uh, uh, platform for the Rock Phonics that he did. Well, so you have three Dumbles. Three, yeah. He, he did three of them for me. That's insane. And, there, and you still, uh, have, you, have you still got three of them now? Like all three? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll probably have them to the day I die. <laughs> Damn, dude. Oh, man, I'd love to hear those those amps. They, I'm sure they sound amazing. Well, you're always welcome to stop by at any time. Since you're in Nashville, I also, you know. Man, I'm going to take you up on that because <laughs> I've got to hear these amps. They sound, <laughs> sound really interesting. Wow, man. So and you, do you collect a lot of amps or? Well, I... Like I like I mentioned before, my passion uh, are amplifiers, you know. Right. And when I started working at, at GC, I almost got the job there on the vintage department because I was bringing them amps all the time. You know, I would find vintage amps on the streets and get them and clean them up, make sure they were working fine. And if I was up to keep, I would keep them. And if it, if I wanted to sell, I would either advertise them or bring them to the vintage room, you know, and either trade for something else that I wanted there or, or just sell, straight sell to them so I could buy other amps. So for, for that time, 
and and then I and I started doing that in Los Angeles in '99, 2000, around '99 or 2000. So from then I I, I managed to acquire a few good amps. You know, my I mean my collection is not it's not longer no longer like that big. You know, I used to have like 60 amp heads when I moved to Nashville wow. three years ago, but I decided. I'm just going to keep like whatever I, I want for myself. And then if, it, if people want to use them in the studio, fine, you know, but some things like more common amplifiers that most everybody has, you know, um, I don't have those anymore. You know, those, I, I got rid of all of them because especially like here in Nashville, everybody has like good gear, mm. you know? So whenever people, would stop by at my studio. I, I used to have a studio in Barry Hill for, I had a studio there during 2019 and 2020 until the pandemic hit. Right. I used to have a room on one of the House of Blues studios. And, and Nashville has the advantage that pretty much like every guitar player that went there, every bass player that went there to track, they always had like great guitars, great amps, you know, great pedal boards. So I found that if it was not something very special, it was not going to worth keeping it, you know? So I trimmed down my collection of amps. And so now I kept pretty much like the Dumbles, a couple of vintage Marshalls, some vintage Fenders. And I do have some, some modern Marshalls too, because that there's a, a couple of like those guys that i really like the work they did with some marshals you know got a few mark camera modded marshals that sound phenomenal yeah yeah and that that's pretty much it you know got a great sounding ac30 and but i trimmed down most everything most of the collection you know and wow man you've got some slamming i mean just those dumbbells and everything else that's <laughs> that thank you i appreciate amazing. that yeah so how you obviously kept in touch with dumble throughout pretty much that whole time yeah until i moved to brazil i i, I would be in touch with him almost that twice a week yeah and in 2011 i moved back to brazil so, so after that it was a little bit harder to get in touch with him because uh he would not recognize much like when, when I would call from Brazil because I, I used to have to call from there uh, through Skype. Yeah. And so he, sometimes I would leave him a message and he would send me an email saying, man, I'm sorry, but uh, I didn't see that, that, that it was you because I saw that number and, and I didn't answer, you know? So, and so I didn't talk to him for, for, I actually spoke with him probably the whole time that I was in Brazil, only like about four times. Yeah. You know, and I was in Brazil for six years. Uh, when I moved back to Los Angeles in, in 2018, then I got back in touch with him. You know, we talk uh, quite a bit, but not as much as we used to talk back in the day. And I understand also because... He's, he's a really busy guy. 
You know, he was always, always doing uh, some amp work or some guitar work for someone. And he would not get on the phone. He, he was not the kind of person that would get on the phone and say, hey, how are you doing? Uh, just want to tell you this and I'll talk to you later. You know, he would get, he would ask you about your family. He would tell you what's, what was going on with him, tell you the news, and he would inquire about your health. You know, he, he's the guy that, that he, would, he wouldn't call you and not dedicate time to you. You know, he was always talking and, and, and enjoying the time. And, you know, he, he would not like to, let's say, call you and make you feel that he just wanted something from you. Right. He, he, you know, so he would call and talk a lot and ask you about the gear and he would give you a lot of attention. Yeah. You know, so but they weren't, when, if he was going to call you, he, they weren't short phone calls. They were obviously a long, <laughs> a long hang. Yeah. 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 I, I remember when, I, I believe it was when I sold a few amps to G Marshall. He, he called, he called me in, in my, my, my apartment in Los Angeles. And he said, Mr. Castro, because he, he used to call me Mr. Castro. No? He said, Mr. Castro, I've heard you sold a couple of amps to Jim Marshall. And I said, yeah, did that. can you believe that? And, and that evening, we, we talked on the phone for four and a half hours. <laughs> you know, and, and there was something about him. And I never been to his house because I didn't have a car when I lived in Los Angeles. But whenever you would get with him, either at the store or over the phone, you know, time almost seemed to not pass by on, on a standard time. You know what I mean? It, 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 when it would figure out, it was like, holy shit, I'm talking to him for two and a half hours. And it felt like right. 20 minutes. You know, I, I think uh, uh, Bruce said the same thing about about that when when he go when he would go to his house, you know, and all of a sudden it's getting dark and it's time to go home, and it felt like he was there for like thirty minutes, you know, but he was actually along uh, talking to him for uh, four and a half, <laughs> six hours, right? You know, yeah, and. And he, he and he would talk about every everything, you know, about Brazilian soccer, uh, uh, Brazilian women. Mm -hmm. You know, he used to think uh, Giselle Benson was the one of the most beautiful women ever. Yeah, yeah. And really, really nice guy. You know, you had some you had some good history with the guy. So, what are you what are you doing now in Nashville? You'd you got a recording studio still, or you? No, no, no. Right now, I'm liquidating the the, the studio because I'm only gonna keep a few uh, guitars and amps yeah. from the studio, but I'm gonna get rid of most everything. And I'm kind of almost ready to buy a house here. And whenever I, I, I feel like it's the the time to, I'm gonna get a house, and, and then I'm gonna open up a small studio in it. But mostly just to track guitars. 
Right. You know, yes. I might be able to record drums and bands, you know, like the whole band too, but I'm going to be focusing more on guitars. But that's going to be on my, my, my side, my kind of like my side job. It's not going to be my, my main income, you know? Right. I'm not going to rely on that anymore. Right now, I'm looking more at, at, at having like a normal life. Because you know, like when I had this studio in, in Berry Hill, I, I, I probably worked there about 350 days during that year, you know, and with no day off. And I'm kind of done with that. Yeah, <laughs> burn out. So, but man, I, ca I can't thank you enough for, for sharing those stories. I mean, I know our listeners will really dig all that history and... <laughs> What a crazy time and to know Dumble like that and to have three Dumbles, I mean, I think every listener is just like, damn, man, that's uh, that's super cool. So right now I'm talking yes. to four Dumble owners basically, right, With the, between the two of you guys, Bruce and Tiago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I'm, I'm Dumble-less, unfortunately. I wasn't lucky enough to grab no, it. You, but, um, no, you, you, you grab one, you know. You grab one someday, you know. Maybe one. And day. and to wrap it up, uh, just so you can have an idea of how how nice and how humble Alexander was with 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 the people around him. One evening, he stopped by at the store, and I was I was on the closing shift, and he stopped by there, and he. He went inside and he, he said, hey, can you grab me those strings for me, please? I, like, I, I, he wanted like three pack or something like that. I grabbed the strings and he said, oh, you're closing the store right now, right? I said, yeah. So come outside. I want to show you something. And I went outside and he, he opened the back of his, uh, uh, his Toyota. He used to have a forerunner. And... And he, he laid inside of it, you know, towards the, the, the inside of the, like, the end of it because the back seat was uh, uh, laying down. And he reached on, on a black kind of like, uh, kind of like a moving mattress, you know, right. moving mat. Yep. And, and he pulled that out, that moving blank, you know. And that was an amp there. And I'm like, Oh wow, that's cool! And and he looked at me and said, "Check this out!" And he pulled the amp towards the edge of the 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 the, the truck, the back of the truck, and and he flipped the amp, and it was a steel string singer. Oh wow! And he said, "Try lifting it up." And I grabbed the, the amp, and it was the heaviest amp I ever felt in my life. <laughs> Seriously, that was the heaviest amp head I ever held. And, and I mean, for him to pull that thing with uh, rubber feet on a carpet, I was like, dude, this guy, it's like, he's big, but he's really, really strong, you know? And I tried to lift that, and I was like, yeah, dude, this thing is heavy. What the hell is this? And then he said, well, you probably already heard this this amp, and that's that's Stevie Ray's steel strings singer. 
And I'm like, oh, you kidding me? He said, nope. Got it in for servicing and I'm going to make sure that it's it's working good and, it, and it's going to outlive all of us. And then he put the amp back there. I wonder where that amp is nowadays. I'm not sure. I, 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 unfortunately, I do, do not know that. But, but yeah, it, he, he would do things like that all the time. You know, sometimes he would just stop by at the store and bring one amp there and say, guys, try this out. Let me know how you guys like it before I send it back to a customer, you know. And he was such a nice dude and such a nice guy. Well, I got to say, I mean, Bruce, this was Bruce's idea to to have all that you guys come on and talk about Alexander. And because we tried so many times to get him on the show and failed miserably, but. Yeah, I guess this is really cool to talk to everyone. And obviously the running theme is he was just a sweetheart and loved by all that got to spend time with him. But he was. He was. And I had some and I had the the, the chance to to make him mad too. You know, yeah. not amp wise. And I did a couple of times, you know. <laughs> like one time, the first time I went back to Brazil, uh I brought him a bunch of things because he asked me, oh, can you bring me some coffee and some anything that is typical from your area in Brazil? I said, yeah, sure. So I brought him coffee. I brought him uh, a a tin can of uh, Dusa de Leche, which is kind of like caramel. And I brought a bunch of other stuff and gave that to him. and, And I called him next day to see how he liked them. And he didn't answer. And two days later, he calls me back and said, man, thank you so much for the coffee and for everything. And I'm sorry I didn't call you before because I was I was sick. I, man, I, I got so sick. I almost ended up in the hospital. I don't know what happened, but my blood pressure went nuts and and I felt really sick. And 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 I, I don't know what happened. And I said, well, I'm sorry to hear that, but did you at least try the stuff? And he said, oh, yeah, I tried everything. And, man, that that thing that that, that you brought, that dulce de leche, that thing is phenomenal. That thing is amazing. I said, oh, yeah, that's really good. And, and, and he, he asked, so what's in it? I said, oh, that's pretty much just look like milk and sugar, but a lot of sugar, you know, so he, he caramelize it and, and turns into that caramel and he was like you bastard is it true and i said yeah yeah that's true and he said dude that's that's it i'm diabetic oh no you almost killed me <laughs> you know and I, and when he said that i was like what what, what do you mean and he said well i was sick for the last two days because i ate that and I was like, well, boy, uh, did you eat a lot? And he said, yeah, I, I, I ate quite a bit of it. I ate like half of that, <laughs> that can, you know, because I think it's too good. And then, and then he said, he explained that he couldn't have eaten like more than three spoons, you know, full of it. And he had probably like 10. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, but then, I, but then I, I said, dude, I'm so sorry. And, 
And then he, he got quiet for a little bit. And I thought, okay, so now he's never going to talk to me again. And he said, well, at least that would have been a sweet way to go. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's like typical Dumbo jokes. You know? <laughs> but, but anyway, dude, whenever you want to try any of those and, and, and get together, feel free to call it anytime. And Bruce, great idea that you have, you know, for showing uh, the, the side of Alexander that people didn't know, you know, and that, that, that was a great work that you guys did. Really, really good job. Yeah. Well, wow, cool. man. Well, thank you for sharing all this with us. Good luck with, well, you know, with everything for you. And, uh, and I'm sure we'll, our paths will cross sometime soon, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And um, Tiago, I'm going to take you up on that, Tiago. <laughs> I would Deal. love that. I would love that, man. Deal. Well, anytime, whenever you feel like, let me know and, and we'll figure out a weekend or, or a, a, a day off that we can do it. And yeah. you'll be more than welcome. Awesome, man. Well, thank you. You stay safe and uh, we will see you real soon. Cool. You guys take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you.